Happy Beyond Stringing. <laughs> Begeisterung. Oh, Begeisterung. This is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Today is part four of the Why We Create theme slash module slash chunk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Chunk. Good. <laughs> chunks. My good <laughs> no, friend. No, 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 don't go there. Um, but part four is what's in it for me, inner journeys. Last time we talked about flow and the flow yes. state and the benefits of that kind of serves as a gateway a little bit to some of the inner journey stuff that we're going to be talking about today. The external journey, I would characterize as something where, you know, it's the, the technical stuff and um, the producing of something and all that. But we've alluded to many times how there's also this, this inner part about, you know, the emotional ball of twine and bringing our hangups to the process and all that kind of thing. And so when we start out with our creative practice, you know, when you, when you initially get that spark of like, oh man, I want to make a, a cool pot out of clay or I, I want to paint or I want to write, you know, because you've, you're probably a consumer of art. You've seen things that inspire you to, to want to jump in and be part of that and, and, or you've seen something that you thought was absolute garbage. Right. And thought, I, I can, can do, do that. Better. <laughs> yeah. I can do better. But whatever your reason is, it's, it's an external motivator for, for, for starting in the first place. And one of the things that we talked about was that those external motivators will only take you so far and creating something cool will only take you so far. Fame and fortune and success will only take you so far. I mean, how many stories do we hear about artists who, oh my gosh, they have everything. Why are they depressed? Why, you know, why, why did they commit suicide? Um, well, there are probably some clinical reasons behind that, but those external trappings only motivate you so much because if you're creating the same thing day after day and your heart's not in it, then it's void of yes. meaning. And so when we were talking about flow last week, we were talking about how it invites openness and it invites these, you know, this curiosity, I think was the, one of the words that you brought up. It, it resonated with me just because it's like, yeah, you know, being curious about the world, um, whether it's your practice, your creative practice, or people, or how things work, or whatever, is really sort of the, the nugget that makes life interesting. Right. You know, and so if you're going through life not being curious, you know, other than, hey, I wonder how, how this 4,000th soccer game that I'm watching plays out, it's like, yeah, well, there's going to be a score, and the season's going to end, and then they're going to play that another season next year. Right. Forever <laughs> and ever. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there is joy to be taken from those sorts of things. I'm, I'm using sports just because I, that's a personal thing for me where I've watched a lot of sports. And one day I was just like, man, like, oh, I get all wrapped up in this. And then it's like, but they're going to do, there's going to be a champion next year too. And what, what's in it for me? Right. You know, yeah. and, and I think the thing that I love most about sports is the, the, the moments of amazing creativity that happen on the field, you know. Um, a really great golf shot or a, an amazing goal in soccer or... Yeah, I, the artistry of watching people right. do things well is 
Yeah. And and there's like I, I don't I don't mean to minimize that in terms of things, but one of the reasons we get into art is just like we said, you know, you see these things, but it's you're consuming creativity for a, a while. And, you know, I mean, some people come to it earlier and later, but you, you're consuming creativity and watching other people do it. You just mentioned that. And, and uh, I thought that was really interesting because at some point you're like, well, consuming create, creative products is awesome and fulfilling. But at some point we're left going, well, there's got to be more. And that inner part of you that's like, I want to participate in that rather than just consuming that. Because I think a lot of people do spend, you know, we watch really cool TV shows, we watch movies, we read books, because those things take you into the flow state too, like we talked about last week. And um, it's just interesting how you make that transition. And that usually that transition, again, is that sort of external desire to participate and create. Right. Um, but you don't know, you don't necessarily know why what you find is if you actually have a creative practice is that over time once those external uh, motivators fall away you find you have to create this environment that makes it interesting to you and i feel like i'm kind of like talking in circles here but i think as we've been talking about this concept it's been circular you keep coming back yes. to these certain things and and uh and a key piece for me too is that you also then have to start I hate to put it in battling your demons, but mm -hmm. it is, you know, like you, once you move to that thing of, okay, I want to do this, I want to participate and do something, then all of societal, all <laughs> right. of society's notions about being an expert and, you know, being an amateur, which is a bad word, which we'll talk about more, yeah. but, you know, like that all comes into play and then often... That's just too much for people, you know, which I yeah. totally get. Yeah. You just get sort of weighed down by that. So I'm not sure where I was going with that. Well, but. no, it, it, again, it's like there are all these like, ah, oh, these, the emotional ball of twine. Like there, <laughs> there's, well, there's all the inner stuff you bring to the table with it. And, and then there's the external pressures oh. that then you internalize and bring with you. Also, <laughs> um, I was reading through uh, Jeff Vandermeer's Wonder book because it's a great resource for for writers. I think for any creative, really, just because it's so rich, it's visually rich, and it's got a uh, amazing um, sidebar articles by other authors and sort of them delving into there. There's so many little facets of all of this that sometimes you don't even consider. But anyway, he talks about you know, hey, you don't have to ever put your stuff out there. And we talked about this a while back about oh, you know, I I create because I need to. And I think there's a, a great truth there. He was talking about Emily Dickinson about, he's like, yeah, you know, here's this person who never put their stuff out there while they were alive and now they're immortal. And not that that was her goal, but her goal was to write because she loved. Yeah. It, it was a way for her to, to process life and living. And Vivian Meyer, the photographer, we've mentioned her before yes. too. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's so much satisfaction to be gained out of this, but but the inner journey part of it is, and I think with Emily Dickinson in particular, as I think about, you know, the classic poem, which I, I don't know what it's called, but, I, you know, I'm, hi, I'm a nobody. Who are you? Oh, are you a nobody too? I, I don't know if I got that right. But anyway. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> but, the, but so she processed her whole life through her writing. And I think of someone like uh, Annie Dillard is another great one who does all these observations, you know, like she'll extrapolate from watching something happened in nature, um, you know, I think of Pilgrim at Tinker Creek and, right. and see this muskrat 
floating along doing its thing while she's smoking something cool like a cigarette. Um, and then extrapolates out these sort of universal truths. And I'm oversimplifying it, but there's this whole introspective journey. If you're willing to be introspective, which reading Eric Meisel, you know, he, he contends that we're resistant to being introspective. And uh, this, is, this is the crux of all this here. You know, we're, we're generally resistant to it because it's scary. And it's not that like, oh, we're going to find stuff about ourselves that we don't like, which that's probably true. Right. But also it's, it's hard work, uh, especially if you want to be different than the person you are. And I would contend that most of us do exactly. want to be a better version of ourselves or, yeah. or a different version of ourselves. I mean, we all have things that we're like, oh, you know, I regret that I didn't do this and I regret that I didn't do that. And regret is a club that we beat ourselves with. That's true. But we don't. I don't know that we often examine why right. we regret things, you know, and then that taps into our narratives and all that stuff. And I, it's funny, I always feel like we go toward the negative when we start talking about <laughs> these things. But Uh-oh. I think, I think there, there's a reason we're resistant to all this stuff, right. which also ties into Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art that we're resistant to creating. And it's probably for similar reasons too, you know, it's that fear of failure and all that. Mm-hmm. I want to back up a little bit and, and talk about, you know, we talked about the flow state and we talked about curiosity, and I was thinking of curiosity sort of in that way that it allows us to perceive the world in its physical state and wonder why things are the way they are, or like, oh, wow, look at that, uh, you know, crazy colored insect. Why is it like that? But you had talked about earlier using metaphor to constantly reevaluate the world, and uh, what was the book that that was from? The Everyday Work of Art. And that's uh, that was a book that your mom had from yeah for how long? I mean, it might have been written in the early two thousands okay. or late nineties, and it has her notes and yeah asterisks and stuff all over it. I, I think it's really cool that you. So your mom, she was a lifelong student. I'd say, I mean, she was definitely a creative. Absolutely. You know, she had a maybe a um, industrious period in her life when you were a kid or when, you know, well, before, yeah, before you I think were, by the time she had four kids, yeah. it was, got put a little bit ground her down to a nub. <laughs> no, I, but, I, but I just, I was thinking well, about we the, were her creative outlet. I think that's point. true like to a to point, you know, and she was, she was speaking of introspective people, super introspective and always like looking inward for meaning and stuff like that, which is really cool. And, uh, I, I was just thinking about that from a creative practice standpoint is, that here's a person who derived a lot of fulfillment out of that and was willing to get in there and do the, the dirty work of the inner journey. Um, yeah. But there's the, so there's the curiosity aspect of it. And, uh, you know, your mom had that in spades. And there's also the receptivity aspect of it. And, and I'm, I'm borrowing these two terms from, from Jeff Andermere's Wonder Book. Uh, there, there are more, there's more to it. And we'll put a link in the show notes to, to that book. But if you haven't read it, I um, highly recommend that you do you might even have a website that has stuff there too that you could dig into. Um, it's been a while since I've, I've been there. But anyway, the receptivity part is sort of like this other layer of empathy. And at least the way I was reading it was, so there's this em- empathy aspect where you start thinking about how other people feel and how things affect them and being able to put yourself into other people's shoes. And so it's more than just your five senses, your physical five senses, you know, it's this, I I would think of it as cerebral, spiritual, but being able to sort of transcend the physical to, because that's, that's a key part in understanding the human condition, right? Right. And if you can understand the human condition better, I'm not going to say fully understand it, but if you can understand it better, 
then you have this ability to, um, for writers, of course, create all these, this, these myriad characters because you can imagine what it would be like for someone to be in a certain situation who's not you. And you can do that anyway. Like you can, you can write characters, but your output will be much richer and less derivative, I think, if you have a better understanding of, of human nature. Yeah, um, and I feel like self-compassion or, or compassion for others increases self-compassion. Uh, 100%. And then self-compassion also leads to better creating. It has mm-hmm. in my life because then I am more loving of what I create and also my process and more forgiving of myself in my process. Yeah. I, I want to um, mention that we were generally resistant to it and it's scary. And I, I wanted to, you went and did a, res- a week residency up at Mass Mocha and that was a pretty, pretty intense experience for you, you know, can you talk about that a little bit and and how that ties into this inner journey and how it impacts your creativity? I'd say it was hugely transformative for me because uh, I'd never done anything like it. And I went up for a week. It was with a, an abstract artist named uh, Judith Kruger, who was just wonderful at bringing all of us out kind of and but I felt like she kind of had to wear me down like I went up there with a lot of notions about yeah. what a real abstract artist is and I was trying to move you know I'd I'd long wanted to move into more abstract work but I felt like I wasn't grounded I didn't know what you know I was just playing around or whatever and I felt like maybe my work was missing some level of sophistication or something that I was looking for so I I went up there with an idea I think in my head of what I wanted to do, but I didn't, I didn't really know. True. And so she kept asking me, why, why do you make art? And I just, I couldn't answer it. I don't know. It was so weird. It was, I just, close to the end, it was two days before it was over. And I had made all this stuff that I really liked the colors and some of the shapes, but it was, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't somehow me. And uh, finally, she showed me some work. And this is an interesting thing. She showed me some work of some other people. And we talked about it. And and there was something, there was some experience in looking at those other artists' work that really started something. And so I went into the studio, but I was still really frustrated. And I ended up sort of in tears, just like, I don't even know. Maybe I don't even want to be an artist. You know, like, I I just, I'm a mess, you know. And everyone else seemed to be prolific and you know like it was just this and it was a beautiful group of people we we all gelled so anyway i was on there on the floor and i just and i ripped something in half in haste and i threw it on you know threw it aside and it landed on this canvas that i'd already painted in a certain way and i went oh my god i love that shape right there so there i was one second a heap like i don't think i even want to be an artist and then the next second oh that shape is beautiful and it brought forth all of these feelings that I'd been kind of tamping down about what kinds of shapes and colors I really love. And I had been thinking that those weren't good enough somehow, that that wasn't what a real artist would do. I don't know. It, it, it was... Well, yeah, no, I, I, that's really interesting. And, and I think there's, there was also a deeper level there. It wasn't just shapes. It was, I mean, right, there was the right, shapes, right, right, right. but there was this whole inner inner journey right. that was exactly. there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I got off. No, no. But, it's okay. <laughs> I, think, I think that story is really cool how like a, a very simple thing can really be like a tipping point to get you, to, to get you open yes. to a thing. 
And then I realized, oh my gosh, there was there's so much there in terms of parts of myself I had been rejecting. Well, a lot had happened that year. You know, my dad passed away. I turned 50. There were, I was in transition. Mm -hmm. So I was in a perfect place to kind of, I needed to like break the shell to get kind of out. And I realized there were a lot of internal rules I was still living by in terms of being a woman, in terms Mm -hmm. of making sure everybody else is happy before myself and trying to meet societal standards of beauty or, uh, you know, all these things. And it just sort of, it cracked open this whole thing of better understanding myself and and how I had been affected by societal norms and how I didn't want to be defined by those anymore. And I wanted, and so it, it opened the door to this whole bunch of work that I just furiously worked for the next three months on this series. And looking back on it now, I see how much I knew. I had no internal knowing as I was doing those. Yeah. But I, I wasn't really intellectually aware. And so I look at them now and I see yeah. like the richness and that kind of stuff. But at the time I was just, I was working it out. And um, Joan Didion, I think, oh, said- yeah, yeah. I don't know what I think until I write about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like with that series. I didn't have my thoughts in order before I did this series, and it really helped me figure some stuff out. Would you say that that's the first time that you've done a sustained body of work that was actually informed by inner conversations versus technical I, yeah. or you know, external stuff like color and shapes and... and technique and things like that. Yeah, I think probably. Yeah. I think I had dipped my toe in many, many times and gotten scared and yeah. not not finished the job. But I think have, being in an intensive experience like that where someone is kind of pushing to you to yeah. really dig beneath the surface, that that is a profound experience. And that's that's interesting too because introspection on a really meaningful level is scary and transforming is i'll say it's it's generally hard it, it doesn't usually come easy <laughs> we were talking about this metaphor uh and i think this applies to to your story for sure we, we were packing for this trip to colorado and as usual for any kind of like car camping type trip we had way too much stuff and <laughs> there gets a moment where you're like it's not going to fit we're totally hosed we're not going to be able to bring this hugely important thing that isn't really hugely important, but just kind of freaking out. Like the tent. Yeah. All right. No tents. We're sleeping under the stars or rain. Um, but yeah. And so you get to this point of like, I, I just, I can't do it. I think of your breakdown. Wow. Yeah. I, I call it a breakdown, but right. you know, like no. your frustration and it manifesting physically and, and, uh, and same thing with the packing of the car. And then eventually you're like, all right, all right, all right. I, I went through this this freak out and now I'm taking a few deep breaths and I'm going to take a break at a glass of water. I go back down and reconfigure and figure out the packing and it's fine. And it, it's always fine, but it's... It, we, we Never talk- feels like it's going to be fine That's at right. that moment yeah. of crisis. That moment of crisis, it, a lot of times is a signal that you're almost at your breakthrough point. Like not breakdown point, but breakthrough. Right. Like, yeah. oh... I figured it out. Like I problem solved this. And uh, I feel like with that, that body of work, that was yes. a great metaphor for that. So what are the challenges now that you've done that? Like that, that was kind of a seminal moment, but a very meaningful moment. Do you have fears that you'll never be able to re- reproduce that? 
Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And or or the fear of like, oh, great. I, now I have to have another existential crisis before I can have an, you know, <laughs> but which I know intellectually is not true. But I, I think, though, that paying attention to what we've been talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, these conversations really help me. <laughs> um, no, that's but fantastic. My, my why I am able to get back to my why more quickly mm-hmm. now that we've talked about it over and over again. That's awesome. That when I start to kind of stray from that, I go, wait a minute. I want to have fun and. Say that louder. I want to have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm kind of, kind of ashamed to say See? that I want to have fun. Oh, my God, that is fascinating that you said that. Yeah. I totally. I did. You shrank, I, right? I shrank back from that notion, which is, it's the Puritans again. <laughs> oh, We're not the... supposed to play or have fun. We're supposed to work and be serious. Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. No, all right. From now on, <laughs> anyway. no more laughing on this podcast. <laughs> Shut it down. No, well, and I, I was just thinking about that and, and how it's easier to have fun when you do the introspective work and you understand more of why you're doing what you're doing or what you want to explore with what you're doing. And not that, I, I thought you said something that was really interesting about the, uh, you didn't intellectualize it. You weren't like, once you had sort of your path, you just got in there and you, it was almost, it was a flow state. Yes. You hit this flow state of like, it, you, you had your purpose and you were just rolling with it and you took it until you were exhausted by it. You know, like, okay, I've now I've done that. And which is, I think, any, any piece of work, anything that you have like a, a focus on, you work on it. And then eventually you have to make a decision that, and not that you're done, you're still exploring some of that stuff. But at that particular period of that work, you're like, okay, and now I'm going to do some other stuff. But you, you take it to its logical conclusion, which never feels like it's really done, but you have to at some point go like, okay, this is, this stuff is done. Right. Um, but that introspective work is just, it's, it's fascinating because you, if you go on, if you develop a creative practice and eventually those external motivators fall away, unless, unless you're some person who like has immediate success and then there are other pressures that come into it. But, and you still have to find your why because at some point, like I said at the beginning, you're going to find that that's not enough. You know, you can't, you can't fill that hole with money or drugs or alcohol, you know, to go into program speak. And so you have to figure out what your internal stuff is. And, and that introspective work is the only way you can get there. And so the benefits of it, as, we, as our practice grows, then ideally so do we. And we were talking about this earlier too, is that the, one of the coolest things about that is that, so here you are, you're, you're, you're creating and there's, you're looking at through that narrow lens, but your creative practice, if you're willing to do that introspective work, makes you a better citizen of the world and not just for all the other people, but for yourself. Like you get to engage the world in a very different way. You can come at it both ways, right? You could be doing a lot of introspective work and then come bring that to your creative practice, or you can do your creative practice and eventually that leads to the introspective work. Right. And so it's really kind of, I don't know, I think it makes life a lot richer, especially going back to that metaphor thing where it's like, yeah, I'm always, I'm always reevaluating and looking not to undermine, but just to be like, oh, here's, here's a thing that I do that I I want to do different or I want to do better or whatever. And so how do you, how do you get there? And I'll say one last thing. It's the coffee talking. Um, <laughs> one last thing about, about that is that, uh, 
So yesterday I came down to write. We were getting ready to meet some friends and, and go do a bike ride and came down and I've been working on this scene and I realized today in retrospect, the scene was like, oh man. And there was this thing that I wanted to do with this scene and uh, I wasn't sure how it's going to play out further down the road, but I was afraid to because it was fun for me, but I was like, well, yeah, but what's it going to like, what's it going to result in? Are you going to have to do a bunch of rewriting? Is someone going to say that that's stupid or how does that work? And finally, I think I had enough coffee. Coffee's a drug, <laughs> so keep, take that for what, what you will. But anyway, it helped limit my inhibitions enough that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write this. And I had a blast writing it. And it was fun. And I think it's really going to ratchet up a, a number of things in the story, including, and this goes back all the way back to the curiosity thing. When you read a book that you really like, there's usually a sense of wonder involved. And I think as you create with your art, you can't sustain a heightened sense of wonder throughout the whole thing, but you need to kind of revisit that and, and recreate that over and over again. Otherwise, you get bored. Yes. And going back to the video that we talked about last week with the flow state, if it's too challenging, you get frustrated. If it's too, if it's not challenging enough, you get bored. And so finding those uncomfortable places, and I think about what, what happened with you at Mass Mocha, you were forced, Judith helped you find an uncomfortable place that Forced right. you to kind of reckon with some things, and uh, and on a very micro level, my my thing yesterday was the same kind of thing. It's like oh, I'm kind of uncomfortable with this because I just don't know, and it's a it feels like a risk, and it's like you know what I mean. A, it's just writing. Yes, you know, if you write it, no you one's hate gonna it. die. Yeah, and and if you're Emily Dickinson, no one's gonna see it while you're alive. So right, you're you're good to go. And I will say, from an outsider perspective. You bounded up the stairs after that <laughs> writing session. Yes. And you were totally oh psyched and feeling great. Yeah, I got my dopamine drip from creating because yeah. I was in the flow state yeah. and uh, doing something that was scary, but ultimately turned out to be awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. And so those little moments are opportunities for introspection. And there, there's the introspection on the, the creative level where it's like, well, why, why am I resistant to doing this thing? Or why do I really love this thing? Or why do I keep revisiting this thing? And, and again, I think that's, that's a practice unto itself. If you, if you can become introspective through your creative practice, you will likely become more introspective in your life practice. Yes. And man, I can't think of anything better than that. Can you? I can't. I love it. <laughs> and so the takeaway, ultimately... And that's what we're trying to eventually bring these things back around, <laughs> as opposed to just navel gazing. Um, yeah, the takeaway is to allow yourself to be open and be more introspective. Like, try it, you know, like, don't, it, it's okay if it's scary, but, you know, um, there's a, I read in a book by Samuel Delaney, uh, Chip Delaney, just an amazing guy who's really, except in the science fiction world, flown under the radar, but just brilliant, brilliant author. And, uh, but this, this is, I think a book like seven essays about writing. Um, but he talks about this German term, Begeisterung. And it, it literally translates into um, bespiritedness. Mm -hmm. And he talks about it in the context of that thrill you get and that the same thing that curiosity brings that, and the reason that you start to create in the first place. And I think by being introspective, you can invoke that over and over again because you're using those metaphors to look at the world differently all the time and uh and you're curious and also being receptive to our humanness and the human condition and so 
Anyway, just a cool term. That's the word of the day, begeisterung. Ooh, nice. And I, and my, my word for it is giddiness. I yes. feel a giddy, you know, and I, I've tended to tamp those down. So now I really try to pay attention, like, what gives me butterflies, yeah. you know? No, I think Follow it's awesome. that. Yeah. yeah. Your begeisterung giddiness yes. practice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we've got some... Possible titles for this coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, maybe not. Be the begeisterung so. you want to see in the world. <laughs> exactly. All right. So our takeaway. Was just to be observant, to be willing to, to be introspective about your creative practice, about your personal life, about the world around you. Maybe, maybe it's really just be curious because that's what introspection is, being curious about yourself and about your creative practice. So. Be curious and, and try and recreate that sense of wonder on whatever level works for you. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening through another. Th- I can't speak. Hang on. Let me get some coffee. Wait, I blacked out. What were we talking about? <laughs> thank you for joining us on another episode of the Creative Double Shot. Forward to seeing you next time where we may have a bonus episode coming your way before we delve into our next theme, which is why we don't create. And so, um, which isn't as bad as it sounds. (laughs) In in fact, I would say that it's a little bit of introspective work, you know, because once you can identify those things that you don't, your barriers, and I know we've talked about barriers uh, here and there, but this will be a little deeper dive. Uh, Once you can recognize those things, it's easier to overcome them and to put them aside so you can enjoy the creative practice you love. So we'll see you next time on the Creative Double Shot. Happy being stringing. <laughs> be geisterung. Oh, be geisterunging. All right. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you next time. See ya.